0: Here's the thing, the disciples are having some trouble in the middle of the lake. He comes walking out on the water, which is pretty cool trick. He gets in their boat, and then the wind dies down, and they're all amazed. This is the thing that I want us to look at. They think at this point that he is a miracle-working prophet. They haven't clued in to who he actually is, God walking amongst human beings. Here's the thing. Well, actually, it's more like two things, really. Because there's two phrases at the end of a couple of stories that we've looked at in Mark um, that I just want us to go back to to look at. One of them is at the end of this this section that we just looked at about Jesus walking on the water. (laughs) You've got to remember the scene, right? Uh, Disciples are having some trouble in the middle of the lake. Uh, Jesus can see him about three in in the morning Um, he comes walking out on the water which terrifies them which is pretty cool trick really I don't walk on water I fish in water I swim in water I sail on water I go in boats on the water I don't walk on it I dive into it but I don't walk on it. And then he gets in their boat, identifying with them in their struggle, like we talked about. And then the wind dies down and they're all amazed. Now, this is the thing that I want us to look at that we ignored at the end of last week's sermon. Because it's a pretty interesting statement. It says in Mark chapter 6 and verse 51-ish, right? Then he climbed into the boat and the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. Well, they would be, right? I mean, that's a bit of a given, I think. Uh, They were totally amazed. That shouldn't surprise us that that statement is there. Because they've just seen somebody walking on the water. I would be amazed. If I was out on the lake somewhere fishing and someone came along and they walked past my boat on the water, I would also be amazed. If it was in the middle of a storm and when they walked past or got in my boat and the wind stopped, I would also be amazed. But that is not what amazes them here? <laughs> All right? Now, this, this is the statement I want us to look at. Look at this. Verse 51, then he climbed into the boat. I'm not lying. You can read it for yourself. And the wind stopped. They were totally amazed. Not because the wind stopped. Not because he walked on the water. They were totally amazed, for they didn't understand the significance Of the miracle of the loaves. What? What? It seems to be totally out of context. They were totally amazed because Jesus had walked past on the water and they got in the boat and the wind had stopped. No, that's not what amazed them. They were amazed... Because they didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. Now, what's what's that talking about? Well, just before Jesus walks on the water, he dismisses the crowd. He dismisses the crowd because there'd been all these people there and he'd fed them with basically a packed lunch. 5,000 people. And that's what this is referring to. But like I said, it seems as if it's totally out of context. Why would they be thinking about that while Jesus has just walked on water and calmed a storm? Why would they be? Why is the loaves miracle such an issue at this point? Well, let me ask you a question. What is the nationality of the people sitting in the boat? Begins with J, ends with uish You got it. So, they have a certain history, and they have a set of stories that they tell about the birth of their nation. Now, when this happens, when, when, when their nation is being born... There is a certain amount of miracles that happen, that happen and are attributed to God himself looking after the nation. Now, one of those miracles is when they were in a wilderness situation, when there was no food for anybody, God miraculously provided food for them in the wilderness. God did that. Exodus chapter 16 Jesus, in the previous story, in the feeding of the 5,000, had a bunch of people in a wilderness situation with no real obvious way to provide food, and he does a miracle by providing food for everybody with stuff to spare, and he does that Through miraculous means. He is identifying himself with the birth of their nation. And the fact that he is actually God himself in a human body. And the disciples don't get it. Their hearts are hardened, and they actually don't understand. They just think that he's, no, not just. They think at this point that he is a miracle-working prophet. They haven't clued in to who he actually really is. Now, there is no small thing about being a miracle-working prophet, especially in their culture. But there is a massive leap between being a miracle-working prophet and being God walking amongst human beings. There's a massive leap, not just in theory, but in actual practice of what that means in your life. Okay, so that's, that's the first thing. Like I said, the thing is, that's the first the thing is. The second the thing is, is this. It's another story that we talked about. In Mark chapter 8 and verse eh, 22-ish, there's this story that we talked about, about Jesus spitting in the eyes of a blind man. It's probably one of my favorite miracle stories just because of the way that he chose to do it. This is the scene. Some people come and bring a blind man to him, and they begged him to heal him, and he spits in his eyes. <laughs> it's just so wrong he spits in the guy's eyes then he, he takes him outside the town leads him leads him by the hand takes him outside the village outside all his familiar surroundings outside everything that he's used to outside of everything that he's experienced and spits in his eyes wipes it off and then he says this he says can you see um and and then like we said, he, he said, I can see, but I can't see clearly. And then he needs a second ch- touch from Jesus. And that's like lots of us. Because when Jesus comes in and interacts in our lives, we understand some things, but not all things. And, we are, and I'm not sure we ever understand all things. Um, but he comes along and he does this incredible miracle and, and in our lives. And, and then sometimes we need that. Well, we do not. Sometimes we always need the second touch from Jesus. So that he can see clearly. And then after he's healed him. This is what it says. Then Jesus placed his hands on the man's eyes. And he opened. And they were completely restored. Because he did it a second time. And he could see everything clearly. See I'm not lying. It's actually right there in the story. But then verse 26 says this. Jesus sent him on his way. And this is the second thing. And said. Don't go into the village on your way home. Now, like I said a moment ago, the village is everything that's familiar to him. Now, I don't know if you've ever had the privilege of coming across somebody who has been healed um, and their sight has been restored, either by medical inter- intervention, which is incredible, or by divine intervention, which is a miracle. Um, I've never seen the latter. I've 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 met somebody who's had a medical procedure and and their eyesight has been restored. Um, it was after an accident, and they've lived for years and years and years with blindness, and uh, and they had another medical procedure, and it and it restored their sight. Now, the strange thing about that was this: was that while I was with them. Uh, they they poured a drink, and what they did is they they stuck their fingers down in the glass to feel the level of the, the cold drink that went into the glass. And then they turned around and apologized for it. I said, oh, it's just force of habit. Why? Because they were used to their blindness. And they were used to doing things without restored sight. And it takes a while for them to learn to walk as fully sighted people. Now, and, and what happened is as they're walking around the house, They would touch all the furniture. Why? Because that used to be their reference points and navigation points around the house. As they would move around, they'd put their hand on a table. They'd put their hand on the back of a sofa. They'd put their hand on a chair. They'd touch a table lamp or a floor lamp or a wall as they were going past it. But now, as a sighted person, they don't actually need to do those things, but they are default settings and their learnt methods of navigation that actually don't apply now that they've got their sight. Now, Jesus says to this guy, after fully receiving his sight, he says, don't go back into the village. Don't go back to the familiar way of doing things, even though that's your default setting. I I was staying in a house once um, while I was preaching to someone, and the... the There was a young child there who had had not surgery to restore blindness, but had a a cochlear implant, uh, so that they could hear. They they were born deaf, and they had this they had this device inserted in their in their skull here, um, and they used to magnetically clip a, a little another device on the outside, so that they could hear brilliant science, so they could hear what was being said. But every now and again, this child would, would go at this and disconnect the device. Now, the child did that because all the years of its growing up life, she, she was used to Silence. And now, all of a sudden, she has this incredible gift of healing, which she loved hearing, um, which, which she loved and was, was great, but it was not what she was necessarily used to. So every now and again, she just wanted to go back to the silence. Now, when I think about that in spiritual terms, now track with me here, right? Because we're going to make a bit of a jump. When we meet Jesus... Who is not just a healing prophet. And I use the word just very carefully. Because to be a healing, miracle-working prophet is no small thing, like I already said. But when we meet Jesus for who he really is. God. And we realize that he actually is God. And everything that is capable for God is capable for Jesus. And that interaction happens in our life. Happens in our life. Now we have a decision to make at that point. Do we return to our default setting? Do we walk back into our familiar way of behaving? Or do we walk as people who are no longer spiritually blind, who are people who are, who are no longer spiritually deaf, or, or do we every now and again uh, just revert to our former way of walking? Are our hearts hard? Like, like, listen to this. Listen to this. Chapter 6 of Mark. This is what it says. They were amazed. Verse 52 Chapter 6 of Mark. For they didn't understand the significance of the miracle of the loaves. (laughs) The significance. Their hearts were too hard to take it in. The significance of who Jesus is changes everything. Now listen. We sing a lot of friend songs... Um, about Jesus being our friend, Jesus being the one that we love, Jesus being the one who changes our existence. But a lot of our songs that we sing actually make us the centre of all of this, not God the centre of all of this. But when we actually place God at the centre... It changes the way we view everything. Why? Because he is so big. Because of who he is changes everything. And when we allow our hearts to be hardened and when we allow ourselves to be the center of everything, it puts the emphasis on us instead of the emphasis on him. It puts the emphasis on, on the circumstances uh, of our existence that he changes rather than the fact that he is the supreme being, that he is the ultimate intellect in the whole of the cosmos and that he rules and changes everything. I cannot at that point just go back To doing things the way I have always done them. I can't. That's the great question of of life. Now that I know what I know, what will I do? How will I act with the information that I have? How will I act? And, And these guys, their hearts were hardened. This is is a couple of chapters away from when Peter makes his confession about Jesus, saying, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus turns to him and he says this. He says, human beings haven't, haven't told you this. This has been revealed to you by the Spirit of God himself. And I wonder... Where we are with all of the interactions in our lives with Jesus Do do we still think that He's our own personal <laughs> personal little deity genie that we take out of the bottle and, and we shine up and we take our prayer request to him to, to get him to do the things that we want so that we have a better standard of life and we have a have a better Better outcome in certain situations? Or do we actually understand that when we choose to follow Jesus, we choose to follow God himself? That's a whole different level of commitment. And just as the Holy Spirit had to reveal that to Peter, I believe the Holy Spirit has to reveal that to us as individuals. This is not just about me grabbing hold of the bits of Jesus' story that I like and applying those to my life. This is about me handing the whole of my life to God himself and allowing him to be in charge of the whole of me. Jesus says to the blind man in the story, don't go back into the village. Don't go back into your old familiar ways. I was chatting to a group of people the other week. And, uh, and, and, and they'd been talking, and we have been talking in our church and with the elders. I want to be great to get back to normal. I want to be great to, to have everybody in church and, and get back to normal. And I'm th- I, Honestly, quietly inside, I'm thinking, hmm, maybe not. Maybe, maybe it won't just be great to get back to normal. What if, during this whole pandemic thing, God has given us a chance to push the reset button? What if, what if a chance like this only comes along once in a pandemic? Well, we don't go back to doing church as normal. But we re-look and we re-evaluate the way that we're doing church. And and we clean off the stuff that that actually shouldn't be part of what we're doing. And we actually redo things the way God maybe wants to do them in the first place. Maybe in, in the light of new sight. Maybe in the light of Jesus supplying food for people in the wilderness and us realizing that he's that he's not just not just our friend that he's not just our our go-to person that we pray to in in times but he's actually the god of all gods the god of the cosmos and the universe that we serve and we allow him to take his rightful place in our lives and even saying that we allow him is ridiculous But he takes his place as the God of the universe in our life. And suddenly it's not about us. Suddenly it's about serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords in a whole different new way. What if that's the commitment that he's leading us to? What a thought. God, if my heart is hard, that I don't understand exactly my place in relationship to your greatness. God, soften my heart. I don't just want to go about things as normal. I don't just want to. Go back to the familiar. I don't just want to feel my way through life like somebody who was previously blind. Because if what this Bible says is true about Jesus, then it changes everything. God, help my heart to be soft. Don't let me go back to life as normal change everything. In Jesus' name. Amen.
1: Generosity comes in many forms. Our time, our help, our kindness, and our resources. But here's what we know the Bible teaches us. When God's blessing comes to us, it must also go through us. So, what would it look like for you This year, to be generous. A timely gift? A helping hand? An act of kindness? Prosperity isn't meant to raise our standard of living, but to raise our standard of giving. Abundance isn't meant for us to live in luxury, but for us to help others live. And generosity isn't just something God wants from us, but something God wants for us. When Jesus came to save the world, he didn't ask, what can I spare? Instead, he asked, what will it take? So, what would it look like for you this year to be generous?
2: You are Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the dark